where, where I see people going wrong is it's not so much the home loan because that's kind of your necessity, right? You need a home to live in. The different online accounts that they'll have for um, streaming TV or um, games or those sorts of things or the, uh, you know, the temptation to just pay on afterpay or, you know, all those little bits and pieces, that's where the bulk of the damage just gets done, I sort of think. Mm. Um, credit card management, um, that's the costly stuff. You know, that's the 20% per annum if you break it down versus the, I don't know, it's higher now, but let's say 6% on a home loan. People are curious what you do to start off and then yeah. we'll go wherever. So you do a few things, yeah, but pick a couple. And what yeah, you- yeah. the two primary things I do are both kind of linked. I run two different advisory businesses in the financial services space. Um, both uh, predominantly dealing with home loans. One is an old-fashioned, um, uh, what would I call it, people business where uh, we've got advisors that are looking after a, a client base, have been for many years a trusted advisors to them. Um, so it's sort of a, a low-volume, high-value type proposition. And the other is a digital proposition of the same thing, which is uh, called Teller, and that is... Uh, taking that journey of moving things online as much as possible, looking at different demographics and how they get a home loan. So, yeah. So here's a hard question to start you with. Who would you your best competitor to be? Or is there not one in New Zealand? Uh, it's a hard one if you wrap tech into the mix. Um, New Zealand's not particularly good <laughs> at wrapping tech into the mix. Um, probably where it comes to developing proprietary tech, it's probably Squirrel. Uh, who have done quite a bit of work over the years in terms of um, digitizing forms and bits and pieces to hmm. to uh, make that home loan journey easier. So they're the closest. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Because Squirrel, I've learned not to publicly talk negatively of people. My only concern is the 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 funds that are essentially mortgage funds. Yeah, shall we call yeah. them? Yeah, that's a tricky bit, right? Because yeah. when you do, and that's a, a problem in our industry where you do multiple things. You know, you're a mortgage broker or you're a fund. Um, it's, you know, two different hats. Um, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, you'll be more <laughs> diplomatic than me. The, the My main concern, not to, like, from what I've seen, there's been clients that have used Squirrel and they seem to um, have good experiences because of the automation, things like that. Mm. The, my concern is around the, the fact that people it's peer-to-peer lending fund my understanding so you got these people that are lending money mm. and you're investing on the expectation that these people keep paying yeah and you're doing that under the expectation that interest rates were at a certain point mm-hmm. it's been there for a few years yeah and what happens if there's scrutiny or filter to choose those people that can pay the, the bills mm-hmm. suddenly isn't as good or they can't pay and then yeah. what happens to the the money that's a real challenge uh, you know i look at uh, all those um, real estate funds, if you like, that are lending on on lending into our building sector, and that, mm. that's what they're doing. They're lending to um, home builders ma- mainly. Um, you know, that's in times like we're in now, that becomes quite sort of problematic, and it's really easy to have the old finance company situation that we had back in the GFC over and over again. You know. It's, doesn't go away that kind of model, right? No. Um, your last dollar in is paying for the uh, interest on the the loan that you did last, sort of thing. So it's, yeah, it can, it's uh, requires a, some really good um, risk governance around it. Yeah, it's an art. Um, like I, I, I was, I won't name names now, but I saw someone advertising ten percent return on mm. a property fund. Yeah, and I was like based on what yeah like how can you even say that and then and then this is this magical trick where property developers are essential and i've met some great ones we have one on cameron stewart mm-hmm. he's done like 300 odd property yeah. transactions yeah. he's a good dude straight yeah. up and down yeah uh but then you, you have these other property developers that maybe had good intention but suddenly the complexity of the project leads yeah. to a loss of money yeah do, do you remember anything from the finance company because i was just finishing school but you might have what <laughs> yeah. would, like what did it look like on the outside were you like oh this you get an extra percent than the bank and it's um so yeah i worked through all of that in banking um and it's very much of 
you know who gets really penalized in that sort of cycle it's the person that's last in and yeah so there's always um someone left holding um uh something and in in the gfc it was land that they hadn't developed yet and you know so those sort of greenfield guys that had gone out and bought for that next round at the top of the cycle that got hit or whatever it might be um cam baggery the economist always said that when the music stops you find out who's got their pants down mm. or something like that and it's kind of like that isn't it there's, it there's, is, yeah. there's always going to be someone um but it comes back to and we're getting off track probably but it comes back to balance sheet strength at the end of the day not cash flow yeah <laughs> as to who gets through those sorts of scenarios and the new guys that have got no balance sheet are often so it's the last in that are often the first out sort of thing but yeah, I'm sure there's exceptions to that. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think at least my journey as a financial advisor, I expect will always be a balance between people saying your returns aren't high enough compared to this new speculative thing that's come out mm, mm. or why are they down, what's wrong, what's happening with my money. Yeah. Um, do, do you have, like, is there a, a similar like what sort of products do you do with your advisory face like the face to face mm. one? Is mm. it it's just mortgages and insurance or it's any any type of debt actually. So that business eightfold is kind of a um, business that focuses on individuals. So like you may own a business, um, in which case we're dealing with the business debt, um, or we're dealing with your personal debt that's been rolled in to support the business through to um, you know your standard sort of salaried home loan so over the years we've done a lot with corporates we've done a lot with property developers we've done a lot with just um, operating companies that needed debt um, but we've done probably more with the actual shareholders and directors of those and oh. their lawyers and people around them so it's that kind of network of of um, individuals that sit around that and and the funny thing with eightfold is that business was built um, although it's predominantly retail in terms of home loans, the people that are in it all came out of a business lending background, so they're all corporate bankers and bits and pieces, hmm. uh, which is quite unique because you don't generally find that. Most uh, mortgage brokers are ex-retail bankers. Um, hmm. So it, it's got that. That's why I say it's sort of low volume, high touch because it's dealing with stuff that's a, probably a bit trickier. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. But so that's yeah, go it's debt focused, yeah, yeah. So, I'd be interested. Like, I'm fascinated people's journey and how they started things because that's in lack of a better word, it's kind of high net worth, high complexity, high touch, yeah. high reward. Yeah. How yeah. do you? How did you start earning respect in the market? You know what I mean? Um, I think we were lucky that we already had built it in banking. So everyone that um, came on that eightfold journey came out of banking, and they'd been there a while. And when you do the right thing by people over and over again you start to build some trust um so we already we were lucky to have that hmm. and that kind of you know even with a, a home loan um, advisor they don't survive without that kind of velocity around their little network you know it's sort of like you can market the heck out of it but it's that um what's the three degrees thing right if I'm at a party with Ryan and Ryan says, oh, yeah. you know, um, and I say to him, I'm just getting a home loan, and Ryan says, oh, you should talk to so-and-so, it gets, it happens. It's just the way it happens. Whereas if you don't have that kind of network and that kind of um, snowballing effect going on, it's very hard to to build a business, really. Um, cold selling home loans is not easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you you strike me as more of a relationship builder than yeah, a cutthroat yeah, salesperson. Yeah. I don't think that's unique, though, is it? That's New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. Cutthroat yeah. salespeople don't last long unless they're doing transactional sales, but even then there's, you can burn people pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. And even when you're doing it online, you've still got to build trust. Mm. Yeah. So. Well, I used to... Um, so <laughs> I set off here yeah, that I used to do funeral insurance, yeah. but um, what they used to do was they would have an ad that says, would you like to win an iPhone? Mm. And then a little ticked box that says, what, uh, <laughs> are you comfortable being called about insurance mm. if you apply for this thing? Yeah. 
Yeah. So essentially cold calling them and then saying, hey, you know, do you care if people die? What, mm. What's your plan? Mm. Mm. And um, it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an interesting thing to take mm. take someone that you never met on a journey. Yeah. And you you could argue funeral insurance is useful for some people, but a lot of the time, you know, maybe mm. not. Mm. Do, where do you see people go wrong in um, debt? You know, like putting a personal guarantee on their their loan when they're a limited liability company. No, I think um where I kind of see it, where most people go wrong, it's not with debt actually. It's kind of with um, their overall financial management. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess some of it's debt. I mean, in the last five years, the store cards, you know, the afterpays and the have been really. Um, difficult to resist for um people that i've got a um spending desire to (laughs) deal with and and so things like where where i see people going wrong is that's uh, it's the old it's not so much the home loan because that's kind of your necessity right you need a home to live in but it's the um the um the different online accounts that they'll have for um streaming TV or um, games or those sorts of things or the uh, you know the temptation to just pay on afterpay or you know all those little bits and pieces that's where the bulk of the damage just gets done I sort of think mm. um, credit card management um, that's the costly stuff you know that's the twenty percent per annum if you break it down versus the I don't know it's higher now but let's say six percent on a home loan we had we had um. Sorry to interrupt there. We yeah. had a neighbor that's since gone out of business since the, I think it's triple CFA, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, whereas payday loans that double day on day. Mm, mm, loan shark. <laughs> it's mad. At, it's, just, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a couple percent a yeah. day. But then a couple percent a day over a year if you yeah. work it out. Yeah. And if everyone ever wants to work out the implications of not paying debt, there's the rule of 72. We divide seventy two by the interest rate mm. that is on the loan. So let's say it's six. Yeah. So in six and twelve years it'll double if you don't pay it. Yeah, yeah. And you think about um the kind of ease at which you can buy that car or um couch or new new clothes or whatever versus getting a home loan. And yeah. it's significantly different, right? Yes one's one scrutinized um to the nth degree and the other is you know questions asked so it's you can see why it sort of happens um but yeah it's like people don't realize that the no question asked is because they're gonna pay for it <laughs> yeah yeah so the poor podcast guest we 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 did a few hundred episodes on finance mm-hmm. i found it incredibly boring and stopped doing that mm-hmm. But there will still be people gunning <laughs> to hear about finance. What What are your thoughts on the official cash rate increasing? So, assume you're explaining it to a five year old, like yeah. what the hell is official cash rate? Yeah, and what is the implications for the average New Zealander? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, the official cash rate. I kind of look at it as guidance for the banks because the banks don't have to um, stay in line with it or follow it. Um, so it's a indication from the reserve bank as to where they think funding costs should be to some degree um most banks in new zealand they're not funded off um that reserve bank desk they're funded off wholesale global money (laughs) so they get their money from wherever it's cheapest as everyone does you're not going to fund yourself with expensive money when you can get cheaper money and so um the reserve banks using that official cash rate to temper a hot market in theory so we've got inflation the cost of everything's been going up they're trying to fire a a shot across the bow and say we've got to stop spending Um, and one way of doing that is to hit you where it hits hardest which is your biggest debt which is your home loan so putting um, the official cash rate up means that the bank's in theory, could follow and pushing up their home loan rates and that could really sting you in the back pocket. And that difference between what you were paying in interest and what you are paying next month in interest might be the difference between you eating out at a restaurant once a week or twice a week or 
buying that new car, which is all stimulating that inflationary effect. So that's what they're trying to do. Mm. The Reserve Bank's trying to do. They're trying to throw some cold water on the fire. Um, what do I think about it? Well, it's like um, I, I don't get it, to be honest, because... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah go on, be polarizing. Because um, banks, as I say, are funded off wholesale rates and wholesale rates are coming down. Um, mm. We saw the official cash rate go up when was it earlier this year and banks really didn't follow they tweaked their variable rates but nothing else um there's still a chance that after this next 50 basis points from last wednesday that the banks will move but we haven't seen it yet and normally you'd see them come out pretty quickly if they were going to do something hmm. so that kind of tells you that um, potentially interest rates have plateaued um and so why is why is the Reserve Bank trying to use that lever still to um, control inflation? I don't quite get that. Uh, of course, there's other ways you can control inflation, like taking money out of circulation. Yeah. So you reduce the amount of money in circulation. They haven't been doing that. We haven't been doing it. So <laughs> the opposite, even. Yeah. Injecting so a whole lot of hay. I don't quite understand it myself, and I'm not an expert on it, but it doesn't quite sort of make sense to me. Yeah. The other thing that crosses my mind is that banks have been really profitable because they've been able to actually put margin back in over the last year because of the rates going up. So we've had a huge run of um, profits, which is good for the banks, but also they've got to deal with that from a social point of view and explain why they should be so profitable. Well, it's sort of been given to them on a plate by you know, the OCR moving up since last year. So... You know, that's kind of weird too that, you know, we've assisted them in that profit um, as a uh, country through our Reserve Bank putting those rates up and yet we slam them for being profitable. Mm. <laughs> um, Do you think it's okay to be profitable? As a bank? Yeah, because well, well, that's something, you know, the average person will be listening to this and you're like, fuck these greedy i swear if you don't yeah 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 yeah. these greedy corporates taking all our money they profited from some of the worst things in humanity the pandemic and what would you say about profit well i'd say if any business owner is going to strive to maximize profit aren't they yeah you know um (laughs) and yeah unless someone wants to put controls around that then you should expect that that's what a business is going to optimize for really is there too much profit um, like let's say pharmaceutical companies, are, like, like, well, maybe that, that's interesting too. So there's been really good profit, right? Yeah. But actually, the Australian banks haven't been paying out those those dividends have been retained and in, in, to an extent because what they're doing is they're building up their capital because our reserve banks put capital allocation ratios up, so they've got to hold more capital. So um, and it's cheaper to keep that capital made locally in New Zealand rather than pay it out to shareholders and then take it back in globally sort of thing. So getting complex, but actually um, even though they're profitable, a lot of that money's actually been reinvested back into their businesses to support what our Reserve Bank wants anyway. So so whether you can answer this or not, what what do you think led to inflation? Um... I think in New Zealand's context, we've had a massive increase in wage costs, <laughs> and that's probably the number one thing. I mean, how many t- people have you heard of that through the um, pandemic saved a lot of money, you know? And it kind of doesn't make sense, but they they did. They've come out better off than they were on the other side. And a lot of that's because they took pay increases through that period as well. Um, and that means that they can afford to do things that, they wouldn't otherwise be able to do so that's that's probably the biggest impact i think is the cost of labor um then you've got the supply chain issues from the pandemic which slowed everything down and the inefficiencies of it such as working from home and all those sorts of things that you can wrap around it so yeah it's like a um, the pandemic to me is like the boa constrictor that swallowed the impala or whatever and it's going to take a little bit of time to digest and go through. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you think, you know, an essence of Reserves Bank's job is to keep unemployment at a certain rate and inflation. Yeah. And now you've got high inflation, but unemployment's relatively okay. Low, yeah. So they've got to be like, well, we just got to destroy it. Like, we just got to increase the cost of money until this inflation, but that probably won't mm. do much. No, no. I mean, I don't... Um is to, the reason it's so hard to understand is there's global things as well, you know, and as a planet, we're probably peak population. So in a way, um, that kind of growth thing of, you know, how you kind of have these central bank growth targets, 3% per annum or whatever it might be. Mm. I mean, how's that sustainable when your population is falling, unless you've got tech or whatever it might be to pick up that um, uh, kind of gap from, you know, a declining population, then it's hard to sustain growth. There's, here's, okay, on that topic, because this is very topical, are we overpopulated or underpopulated? In New Zealand? Well, just in the globally or in New Zealand, in the sense that, so we've got an aging demographic that's unable to be supported yeah. or funded. Yeah. Um, and then there's this talk of global warming, you know, these, these strong something. Yeah. So you pick up, I'm just, I don't mind going into the dark. So, and Elon Musk says, Hey, we're actually underpopulated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jordan Peterson says both yeah. controversial figures, whereas yeah. everyone else is saying, Oh, we're, we're consuming to extinction. Yeah. Well, I think in, um, Western countries we're underpopulated hmm. and, and that's where they're coming from. Like, you know, the United States is, um, probably could do with some growth in terms of people and it's been quite aggressive with its immigration so it probably recognizes that and new zealand's the same and australia's the same canada's the same europe potentially is the same although it's got a whole lot of other things that you know um needs to kind of reinvent itself probably a little bit um, mm. but yeah definitely if you looked at um those kind of Western countries such as ours, I think we're probably underpopulated. Um, and that's good for us because there's big populations out there that would like to live here. But Are you making enough babies? Have you got children? Are you contributing yeah, no, or taking away? Okay, my children are growing up. So uh, well, I mean, you did it, you did it more <laughs> did than it, me. Yeah, exactly. They wow. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot to that because, I mean, like I think about, you do the planning. I, every person I plan within a few decades of me, I just assume they don't have a pension just to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that money's come from. You know, no, no. they've got the super fund. Oh yeah, that'll be gone pretty quick. Yeah. And yeah. you try and extend the age, but that's the, you know, a huge voting populace. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, I mean, I kind of feel that we should be reinvesting more of what we save in New Zealand. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, think with the whole super fund and any fund in New Zealand actually and you'll know this the majority of that money is um, benefiting offshore corporates yeah. in terms of their growth and so I think we need to somehow figure out how we reallocate some of that capital back into stuff that helps us and it's a bit the same as the argument around the banks right the four Aussie banks and you know they've taken over New Zealand's capital markets and they're hugely profitable but we don't see anything for it that kind of argument. Well, the only way to change that is to redeploy some of the capital that we've got access to back into local banks mm. or things if we if we want to go down that road. And yeah, I kind of feel we're missing a little bit of that boldness to do some of that creative stuff with um, things like the Kiwi Savers and the super schemes and bits and pieces. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the the thing. It, it, I'm for it if if you can balance diversification. Like so, if you're not fundamentally putting people at risk of yeah, capital loss. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I think you know there is a real. I think a lot of New Zealanders would feel proud that part of the KiwiSaver is funding New Zealand companies, and a certain allocation of that would be appropriate. Yeah, and it's a hard one because if you take um, something like Rocket Lab as an example, <laughs> where they went straight offshore with capital because they knew that they'd just get. Uh, people here would just think they were crazy. Mm. <laughs> um, should we have taken that risk as a nation up front and invested in them ourselves? Or should we have just expected that the US was the right place for them to go and raise capital because it was high risk? I don't know. It's, But, um, mm. yeah. 
Do you think there's there's less funds here, or there's less of a willingness to have to support other businesses? I think we're just the same sort of cross section as most Western countries when it comes to how many dollars there are per capita and all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, where I think we um, we lack imagination when it comes to um, envisaging the future a little bit. I think <laughs> you think so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can I explain that controversy? So New Zealanders lack. Ah, uh, I think um, it's a bit like infrastructure. Like rather than just getting on and building it today, we will we'll consider it for too long, and it becomes you know an albatross around our neck and a cost that is blowing out because we've waited so long to uh, make a decision on it. Um, we're just not moving quick enough on some of that stuff. Um, and what happens if you don't move quick enough? Then the startup goes offshore, or the you know you, you the opportunity goes. Someone else picks it up. So yeah, I think this is a bit harsh, but I, I think it's easy here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, just to use podcasting examples, not even just New Zealand, just mm. in humans in general. If you do over 20 to 27 podcast mm. episodes mm. in top one percent mm. because everyone gives up before yeah then. yeah and i think about as well as like you know there's a period of time where i was making a certain number of cold calls a day and mm. i'll go to other business owners and they would say to me that's like crazy why are yeah. you doing that amount i'm yeah. like that like compared to the other rest of the world yeah like i was talking to a lady she was doing 200 to 300 cold calls a day mm. and i just set an expectation i'll do 20 mm. And that was like mind blowing. Like yeah. the work ethic and com- competition out there yeah. is pretty. Yeah. Um, well, Elon Musk, what's his thing? He says that um, if you want to do twice as well as your competition, you need to do twice the hours or something like that. And it's kind of pretty much basic mathematics, really, isn't it? But um, <laughs> in a yeah. way, there's some truth to that. And I think you're right. I mean, that's why migrants do so well in New Zealand. You know, if you come out of Bombay or somewhere and you come into this market, it's easy. It is, The yeah. competition is light. Um, people are not um, thinking strategically as well as they would in a very highly competitive market. Um, yeah, all those things. Well, it's like, yeah. you know, as I was saying off here, I started a marketing company, but it shouldn't exist. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't think recruiters should exist either. Mm. And it's just a based around the fact that a person feels uncomfortable to do the outreach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I do, yeah, I do. So yeah. what what do you think is, I, I find leaders, they, they shared and develop, and I've found as I started the business how many limiting beliefs I have around mm. self-worth and deserving of money and charging yeah. it and all these things and yeah. failing as a leader. And what, what was your biggest like realization, whether it was hiring a weakness or it was just like, hey, I need to shed this belief system. It's not serving me. Um, yeah, I, I forget. What's the term? Um, you know, that, that the self-belief is the hardest thing, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, working you, on it. This, yeah, that self-doubt is just, um, <laughs> should I really be the one doing this? <laughs> it's like um, with Teller, which is a, kind of a structural change to the industry in the long run. Um, it took me about four years to kind of pluck up the courage with it really because I kept thinking someone else was going to do it Mm. you know and it's like so that sort of um, yeah um, believing in your own idea and what could be coming back to what I was saying earlier about um, us envisaging the future and what we could do with it in terms of New Zealand that's the hardest bit like and having the guts to actually try and do it um and when you do try and do it, and I mean, it's that old cliche, tall poppy thing in New Zealand, but when you do try and do it, people kind of look at you like you're crazy, <laughs> which is a very New Zealand thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what do you mean you're going to build rockets and send satellites up into New Zealand from New Zealand? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're crazy. Um, yeah. And um, it's the same thing with, a, you know, we've got this mission to... Um, to develop an industry where uh, instant home loans are possible. And you say that to most people in the industry and they'll think you're crazy. You can't mm. get a, a home loan instantly. Well, why not? You know, In this day and age, we've got AI, we've got um, great tech tools, we've got... Um, New Zealand's actually quite blessed with 
the um, the tech industry and the people in it and what we can build. So there's nothing really to stop us apart from us going, no, you can't do it, you're crazy. Mm. <laughs> so why not do it, you know? Um, yeah, well, why not? Mm. Makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. an application form that's assessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as yeah. long as you've got clean data, that would be the art. How do you get them to input correct information? And that's those are the challenges. But, um, yeah, I mean, you have all those problems in a human world. Yeah, yeah. So that's no different, really. True. Um, it's like I, I, can't, I can't really tell if someone's lying to me. I, I like to think I can, but yeah, yeah. what's the difference? Yeah, and there's a whole lot of proof points that you look at and bits and pieces. And hmm. um, How far away are you? Or who's uh, holding you up? Who's holding us up? Um, I would say it's the banks, but they are starting to come along on the journey, is what I would say. So, mm. you know, banks, especially in New Zealand, we've got these four massive banks, you know. Um, they are not an easy ship to turn. <laughs> um, and they don't really need to turn, to be honest. You know, they don't need to change. Um but I think they know they have to, hmm. um, and they've got teams and people working on that stuff. Um, but, you know, for us as the small guy, we've got to kind of look at it more as us taking them along on the journey with us and to help them in a way to achieve that. Um, we can't try and fight them on it. No, yeah. it's an art. I was... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it hasn't gone live yet. It would have gone live now, actually, for people listening to this. Quantum something quantum mm. is the name of the company and mm. they make robots that do human jobs mm. and they're essentially doing one for compliance where they're for a finance company they're creating a compliance officer that's a robot that can assess the quality of the advice yeah. and if it's done appropriately yeah. and the the biggest challenge is communicating this to their prospects mm. and they would have large corporates and stuff like yeah. that yeah, and they're trying to find the people in the organization that would act as the catalyst to move things. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you encourage change, or how did you sell to yourself like, hey, I'm going to try this thing? You know what I mean? Because change is yeah. people call themselves change management. Yeah, I think um, one of the things in our industry is that um, the industry is a bit scared of the regulator, but we've got really good regulators in New Zealand. They're mm. very proactive and. Um, you know, over the last five years, they've actively worked towards the industry going digital. And when I started seeing that, I started getting more confident that it was the right thing to start looking at because um, actually when you think about things like compliance as an example, it's much easier to do that well when you've got the right tools. And digital is like fantastic at tackling things like those sort of menial tasks that you might do um, to ensure that you're capturing the compliance that you're doing. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, to me, um, I wouldn't have done it without regulation increasing, but supportive regulation um, and the need to streamline what advisors were doing. So that is ahead of the customer. It sounds really weird, but um, I could see that from an industry point of view, that kind of engine room, the back office bit, needed um, good tech. So mm. um, if you get that right and you give that on to the customers, then the experience is great. But if they're dealing with kind of manual processes around things, then that customer journey is always going to be awful. So you're going to have to kind of address the tools that the industry need to get the customer journey down the stream right if that makes sense is that kind of yeah yeah no logical well for people that might not be in the space like Mm. they're like what do you mean why not customer first but if you deal with the financial markets authority like to give people an example so there's anti-money laundering is quite a common one that Mm -hmm. is the vein of existence for some people yeah and it's coming from international to Mm -hmm. new zealand and we were a bit behind the eight ball yep an example for me is we had a trust that we found out later had a trustee that wasn't really practicing a part of it, all these yeah. waste of time trust. Yeah. And um, we needed signatures so they could withdraw their money in order to, to buy a house. Mm. Mm. And he was on a boat. Yeah. So I was contemplating driving <laughs> four hours. 
to get a jump on the boat yeah. to get inside because you couldn't print anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and for people curious what that is, essentially it's like we need to track how the money is getting to where it is, yeah. and we have to have people that are involved so that there's accountability and that because it could lead to funding of the yeah. terrorism, yeah. different things. Yeah. So the fact, like you, uh, you and a few others are mm. like standing alone with your head out of the yeah and that's a great i mean the aml thing isn't so much my area but that's a great example like you could you've got people flying around the world to sign paper documents when you could be doing things with tech online and and knowing just as well that that was the person that was the real person and that you were you know um yeah i've just got back from singapore and the singapore government's put a system in place that kind of deals with aml centrally and so everything is online. There's no paper. You open a bank account, you just give them a number, which is your ID number, and all the rest is done, you know. That would be good. So, and that's um, that's kind of um, that envisaging the future. That's how I see New, New Zealand so small, 5 million people, same as Singapore. Um, we've got good education systems. We've got great tech, um, great um, tech schools coming out the back of that. So we've got... Um, access to developers and great designers and all those things um we now need to start actually trying to outperform the rest of the world and how we do some of the functionality of what we do locally and i think we were ahead and you know um there's been examples in the past of us being leaders in this stuff and we've kind of let it slip a bit um and but i don't think it would take us much to to pick it back up again um but yeah it needs it needs a few things it needs government and academia and everyone to actually be functional yeah yeah and that's not in the private sector and that's not always easy um but if you get it right and you do something like we did with fpos in the 80s where everyone started using a plastic card and we hardly dealt with money it's transformed Informational, you know, and, and that's kind of what we need to be looking at. I think in New Zealand is what can speed things up, and make things quicker and more efficient. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating. It's like we're not short on talent, and we're not short on the ability to be malleable given our size. Mm. And we're creative. Yeah, Kiwi ingenuity. Yeah. Yeah, just to say positive things yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what What would you say? What is the most remarkable thing about what you created? You know what I mean? Like the back end of it, what makes it different from like an application? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it's kind of um, what can be built on top of it more than anything. So once you um, create something that's bespoke to a, an industry, then um, and you own that tech, then the ability to do the instant loan because you've got the data at hand and you can do the analytics around it and all those bits and pieces. That's the exciting bit. So what you can actually do with um, having that functional sort of ecosystem in place, that's what excites me. So um, <laughs> integrations into... So for us with Teller, we see ourselves as kind of the, um, the tech at the heart of the industry when it comes to that home loan advice piece. And we've got um, the industry plugged into it. So we've got advisors coming through it. Um, we've got the end-to-end digital going through it. Um, we've potentially got real estate using it for certain things. We've got the credit agencies feeding into it. We've got property data um, businesses feeding into it. And all our suppliers are um, linked into it in terms of being able to um, essentially take a, a loan off it then we've got a true marketplace and that's really where it gets exciting is that hmm. you become the center of things and everyone is around you um brain maker yeah you 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 have some um ability to tie things together that others don't because you have that um <laughs> that junction that um crossroads that you sit in sitting in in the middle so 
I'm glad yeah. I asked that because, you know, I see it. I'm like, oh, this is a user-friendly application form with very little headache. Yeah. That's what I saw. Yeah. But the back-end yeah. marketplace. So so the loan comes through. Yeah. And then people are, f- are fighting to get the loan or? Well, not at the moment. No, oh, that's the no. goal. <laughs> okay. But that's where it could get to. Interesting. Um, and, in fact, we're about to launch a comparisons element to our site in the next few months where you'll actually start to see the what your repayments would look, up, look like lined up against rates. Um, so that you're starting to get much more of a um, kind of a marketplace feel to what hmm. things look like. So do I go with ANZ or do I go with ASB? Um, and if you've got those sort of AB comparisons where you can look at what that means in terms of your fortnightly repayment or whatever it might be, then it gives you um, the start of a thinking process around which way you want to go. Um, what ends up being negotiated is often quite different, but it's about kind of empowering the the customer and giving them as many tools as possible to help them with making decisions. Yeah. So where do you plan to monetize it? Like where would the is it a commission from the bank? Is it a relationship with the advisor that pays for the access to that? Uh both, actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there's kind of two sides to it, but it's a bit of all of those. Um hmm. And it's a journey. So, um, you know, I'm buying my first home. um, And, you know, when you're buying a first home, there's that thing of, okay, I need to line up my home and contents insurance. I need to think about um, mortgage protection or income insurances. Potentially, I need to get my power on, my internet sorted, all those other bits and pieces. And so when you're in a digital marketplace, you can actually start to incorporate some of those things into that process. And, you know, we we haven't done a lot of those yet. But, for instance, we've done a piece around the um, conveyancing of the the, um, title, which you need a solicitor to do. Hmm. And, you know, everyone goes through that process with their first home of, I haven't got a solicitor. Um, and what we've done is created a panel where you just say you'd like to use our panel and we have set prices that are already configured for the task um, so you know exactly what you're going to pay and you um, don't have to worry about it at all it just all gets arranged for you so it's something very little but um, it kind of means a lot to someone that's not done something before yeah you know, they don't have to go and ask mum and dad, have you got a solicitor I can use? Or, you know, um, it takes all that away. Hmm. So our goal is to kind of keep working on that friction, get rid of the friction out of the process, um, streamline it as much as possible. Hmm. I, I could see just from my limited understanding of you that <laughs> is um, building relationships with those key partners that would have access to a lot of those clients yeah. and monetizing that. Yeah. The challenge I imagine is the, apart from you providing an incredible product that people tell others about, mm. how do you appeal to the market? You know what I mean? How do mm. you get consumers coming to you? Cause that's the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, we're very focused on a, a younger demographic because mm. we're online and the way I kind of ex- describe it to a lot of people is that when we launched, a lot of first home buyers probably thought that you could just go online and do everything online and get a home loan, right? Because you can with everything else. So they weren't aware necessarily that you had to go to a bank or mm. find a broker or whatever it might be to get a home loan. So the first thing they'll do is go to Google and search for how do I get a home loan or um, um, get a home loan online or whatever it might be. And so that's... Um, that's a marketplace where we want to be number one in. And um, we realize that that's kind of early adopters at the moment because a lot of people do know that you go to the bank or that you um, you ask your mum and dad who their broker is and you use them or whatever it might be. So, so that's um, a long game. We know that um, we're dealing with the kind of early adopters in that space. The other bit of the marketplace is all about partnerships, really. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's us using other um, really strong brands and trusted brands as our partners to drive business for us. And um, so, you know, we're focused on media and um, real estate and, um, you know, brands that align to us that could be good partners in terms of age and stage 
Um, so, you know, moving house kind of aligns nicely to um, food-related things. You know, do I <laughs> sign up with HelloFresh or my food bag or something like that? So those sorts oh, yeah. of uh, partners actually who you might not think would be good actually could work quite well with us because they're looking for who's moving into the new house that's been built because they want to actually deal with them as a client, right? So th- those sorts of things, mm. which are not traditional no. to our industry. Um, no, I would never would have thought of it. Yeah. So on that, have you, how many, like, over your time, give or take, mm. like, would you say, like, how many partnerships might you have developed or... Uh, at the moment, we've only less than half a dozen. Yeah. yeah. So it's early days for us. Yeah. Because I was going to ask you how to develop a partnership. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I asked the first question. Yeah. But yeah. like, do you have like a value add? Do you do you think about that? Yeah, we do. So what, you know, take real estate, for example. Mm. Um, a real estate agent is working on behalf of the person selling the house, but they've got to find a buyer to buy it. And... Um, you know, I kind of look at that as a really good example because traditionally what happens is someone starts house hunting before they actually start thinking about finance. And often they've got emotionally attached to a property before they've even talked to a bank about it. Um, and then they miss out on the auction because they didn't have their ducks in a row in terms of finance and someone else did. Mm. And so that that's the sort of thing that we're looking at is if we've got a relationship with an agent or an agency who's selling a property where they can be saying, um, Teller is going to make sure that you get that order of things right when it comes to getting your finance sorted, then they're more likely to win as a buyer and the agent's more likely to get an outcome. And, you know, in kind of markets like we're in where every agent out there is wanting to um, perfect the art of sales because they're suddenly back in that mindset after a really hot market where everything was just so easy that's important and so um, affordability what can I afford to buy am I buying in the right am I looking in the right price range um, am I going to be able to get finance for that mm. all those sorts of things become really important and so that's where we look at our partnership proposals and we're working on something at the moment where we're putting affordability calculators onto listings and most listings out there at the moment have repayment calculators which helps you understand what your monthly repayment might look like if you bought that house. That's interesting. But can you actually afford to buy it? You know, that's that's the first question you need to ask. So hmm. it's making sure that the right tools are there at the right time and, and that that process is aligned Um so, you know, the finance is aligned to the sales process or whatever it might be, things like that. I think I think that's a, that's a, a tough sell, even though it makes complete sense. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. Like I think of, I put real estate agents and insurance brokers as the same <laughs> kind of people. How do I incentivize those financially? Yeah. You know, that because yeah. they, might, they might have the... The mental acuity to understand, hey, this is going to help yeah. me make more money. But yeah. I find if if you give them the money. Yeah. Well, the thing is with real estate agents is they make very good money out of what they do. Mm. Um, it's getting the sale that's the key. Especially um, now. Especially at the moment, yeah. So, so you're finding there's good uptake with that? or what, what It's are just they... starting, but it's been very good so far, yeah. We've had a lot of interest. So Okay. Yeah, I think it'll grow. Um and you're not this, even incentivizing? They're not like, if you get this, we'll give you a finder's fee or whatever? With some of our partnerships, we are, but we have a marketing fee, essentially, but um, not at the stage with the real estate guys. Yeah, yeah. And they're, doing, they're using it? Uh, oh, early stages. Early stages, yeah. yeah well, I'll, t- I'll tell you in six months. Because <laughs> it makes um, sense to me. Like, it, throw yeah, them a link. Hey, yeah. you kind of thought, well, here, yeah. boom. It's essentially giving a value add to your, to your um, vendors, too, the people that are selling, because you're actually giving them a website present that's so it's got something that additional um yeah. tool to get that sale done so if you were doing yeah. that to like financial planners i'd be like oh yeah <laughs> yeah the farmers yeah. not the hunters yeah that's all that's all I, we'll see yeah 
Yeah. Because I wonder, yeah, that's interesting. There's this big movement offshore, and you might have heard a bit about it around embedded finance. So, and you've seen it in the share market for years with stock pickers and bits and pieces being put into third party websites. Mm. And I, in a way, that's kind of what we're doing, but we're doing it for um, that uh, home loan world. So, um, well, it, the, the thing is, if you if you are the oracle of truth, if you're the market that everyone goes to, yeah, that as I say, that outreach thing yeah. is hard. And if you're the person, like I think, and if I was a real estate agent, and I was going to market it. Mm. You could just take over in the sense that people people aren't buying a house; they're buying an environment that they feel comfortable to raise themselves or their yeah. family. Yeah. So what you're selling is an area. Yeah. And that's really interesting in its own right because we're doing some work around, well, stepping back a bit. One of the big things that we find in the loan world is that it's really easy to get someone pre-approved for their first home, but then making a call on what home they buy is a really big um, sell process in a way. Um, and it's changing. Like, it's a lot harder for millennials and younger people than it was for those above to make a call on what property to buy um you know there's things like is it um you know i've heard all these things about cladding and issues with leaky homes and all these bits and pieces and so you know who do i need to talk to to make sure that i'm buying something that's right and you know uh, is it the right area for my kids are the schools good and that whole piece, I think, is changing. Um, and it's something that we're looking at is that um, the property matching kind of side of things where uh, our real estate in industry is very good at the people bit, like the old-fashioned advice world. It's very good at putting a listing up, but it's not so good at matching the individual to the potential property. And so, you know, that's hmm. something for the future, but something that we see as being um, a kind of a, a next natural step is to speed up that process of getting people into homes which is tied to the finance because we can't finalize the finance if you haven't got a home <laughs> mm. we need to look at how we do that in a better way and you're right it's it's like there's the home but then there's the area the schools the shops the um cafes and restaurants the you know, all those other things that are important to making that decision about which house to buy right yeah I, that's quite interesting what you're saying around if if you can save people time and create personalization i think that's where you make money and if you if you had some way of categorizing an individual whether they're setting an expectation of types of places they live mm atmospheres or ratings of schools yeah. or whatever and then yeah. that feeds out recommendations and saves them having to search yeah yeah, yeah. there's merit well it's like travel you know um we used to go to a travel agent but now we go to um expedia or somewhere online yeah and we get served <laughs> yeah know? and and we get served based on our preferences from the past what we did you know in, in the past and all, all sorts of things that make a big picture in terms mm. of an algorithm that's sitting on a platform like Expedia or whatever it might be in terms of what they're serving up to us. So I think it's very similar, really. It's um, Yeah, it makes sense. makes yeah. sense to me. I mean, and then you could even have some sort of like way of getting in the house without actually being at the house. Yep, yep. And that's already there. You know, there's lots of those sort of 3D tours and bits and pieces. And mm. Yeah. I but. think um, what, what I was saying about the shaking out the real estate in industry would be if I was the marketer mm. let's say I'm the king of Koimarama mm -hmm. and that's the objective I'm just going to dominate that suburb yep. I just go around interviewing all the shopkeepers the principals of the school all the people yeah. in there yeah. and getting them to host these different things yeah. because it's in their best interest yeah. to do it yeah. and getting those clips and content to target people that are yeah, interested yeah. in buying houses Yeah, yeah. but they all just think transactionally yeah yeah but I, and I think that's that's um, been done more and more by the actual developers. You're seeing them, oh, yeah, okay. um, you know, selling Hobsonville, even though they're just uh, one development in Hobsonville. You know, there's these are the schools, and this is the ferry, and this is the mm. um, whatever it is, Good George Bar, and you know. All, so that that is kind of happening in the sales pitch of the actual developers. Oh, yeah, um, okay. But I don't think it. You're right. It's not 
there at the industry level when it comes to they're a tough intermediary man yeah yeah, because we always look at that like, oh, okay. What about business brokers? Greg's tried for twenty years yeah. to build relationships, business. Bro- oh, yeah. yeah. When you sell the business, yeah, they want something to do with the money. Yeah, but yeah. if you can't financially incentivize a hunter, that's right. Yeah, that's an art. That's right. Yeah. So just on that, like in terms of selling the suburb, and we've done fifty odd minutes, so <laughs> you almost finished home street. So let's say, let's hypothetically say you're selling the experience of buying a house. You're selling the surroundings. You're not just selling the transaction. Mm. What do you think you sell, hoteler? Um, we get you into it. You know, we unlock the finance that allows you to do the transaction. So um, it is kind of like we're selling the dream home in a way. Mm. Um, yeah, but also we want it to be a um, linear sort of process. We don't want you to get your heart broken because you miss out on the house that you really wanted because you didn't have the pre-approval in place you know in time to go to the auction or whatever it might be mm. so it is kind of about um um being um being a safety blanket or a security blanket that sits around them and make sure that they get what they want um yeah it's it's more than um Finding them, it's 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 the dream, yeah. Home, not the, yeah. Interesting. It's it's funny though, because it's like, especially with first home buyers, they're often going after the dream home when they should just be buying a first home. Do you know what I mean? It's sort yeah. of like, um, just get into the market, get yourself a home, and work on the dream home. Yeah, Greg um, was like, get a job, get a better job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's also sort of setting expectations in there, and. You know, um, with first home buyers, the the biggest bit of advice is around affordability. Hmm. What can I actually afford to to borrow, and, and where does that put me in terms of what I could buy? Hmm. The, the reason I ask that question is there's a guy Russell Brunson. He's like a fame. He owns ClickFunnels. It's like a yeah, you know. Um, he talks about in one of his books, Expert Secrets. He talks about. S- you're not selling what you're selling. You're trying to break the belief system that they have. Yeah. So right. Yeah. yeah you agree? Yeah. What, what belief system do you think you have to break? Um, and how do you do it? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's quite that way around, but it's like, um, yeah, we're not, it's, it's the old Coke thing. We're not selling a brown or black liquid we're selling a dream you know like it's it's how you're going to feel when you have that coke and it's it's the same with most things right so Mm. it's the the dream for the first home buyer has actually been in that home you know it's like imagining yourself actually living in it and or raising a family in it or whatever it might be that's what we're selling (laughs) Mm. we've got all these other things like a nice application like you said but that doesn't really sell right whereas imagining yourself in the home that does sell yeah yeah <laughs> interesting so that's kind of what we're all about you know um so the dream yeah and yeah. F- final question as we wrap this up what what drives you why are you doing this you're like oh yeah i just want to have instant loans but that's not very like you know yeah let's um, get on that school bus where are you going yeah i think it i mean it's um there's kind of this thing around uh, for me, we can do it. We've got everything we need now to be able to achieve that kind of instant loan, if you like. Um, and so, and wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like useful. if I could go in tonight and just do all my stuff online and get an instant result, yes, you can borrow this amount. I mean, that would just be such a breath of fresh air over that what I do now where I'd ring my bank manager or book a mobile mortgage manager or try and track down a broker and book a time for next week with them. And then we go backwards and forwards with documents and we, you know, we, um, there's a better way, you know, and it's like I've been as frustrated as anyone over the years with that and I'm in the industry. Mm. (laughs) Mm. So that's what drives me. It's like uh, when you can clearly see there's a much uh, more efficient, more effective way of doing it online. I could have better advice through that process. 
access to people when I need it, access to do my own thing when I want to do my own thing. You know, just that's what drives me. It's like, mm. um, yeah, I. It's uh, to me, it's like we're years behind, and we should catch up and overtake the rest of the world on this stuff. Is I said last question, but I don't. I don't <laughs> think I quite got where because because in essence, you're you're motivated by the frustration that you experience if others don't have to go through that. Yeah, yeah. But then there's also the like putting New Zealand on the map and and having us like yeah, let's yeah. say let's say you're like you're on your deathbed you're 80 now mm. hopefully you get older than that yeah what would you be most proud of if you achieve something not so much instant loaned or um, yeah I'd be really proud to have our technology in 12 countries for instance mm. that'd be amazing you know that's like because um, at the end of the day New Zealand's pretty cool and it's a great place to um test and trial things but from a commercial sense you're going to want to go beyond it you know it's 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 a pretty quick journey to break new zealand and you want to go into Aussie or you know in our case you know our banking systems are so similar to those old english banking systems so australia canada the uk um, Singapore, Malaysia, all those places that are really like for like in terms of a home loan. It'd be awesome to be able to see our technology rolled out through them. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so you found your thing. You're yeah. on your journey. Yeah. It's just yeah. adventure. Yeah. All right, well, people that want to experience that dream, Yeah. Um, where are they going? Uh, they can go on to teller.co.nz. Easy. Teller with a, an E, so T-E-L-L-E. Hmm. Cool. Well, I'll put in the description if there's advisors brokers if the bank's listening to this yeah i love talking to advisors um and we've had a lot of them looking at our technology um so yeah feel free to email me even if you're an advisor yeah cool yeah easy thanks for coming on cool yeah thanks ryan it's been great oh